Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. This is going to be a good show. We've got Will Denker from Houston, Texas on, this, on the line. And we're going to be talking about kind of a lot of different things, but the main theme is going to be making more, doing less. Doing fewer deals, but doing bigger deals. And sometimes bigger is not always better. And a lot of people I know in the business, when they're doing a lot of deals, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off in 20 different directions. And you're trying to grow bigger, 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 because that's your only goal, not realizing that it's more important, it's smarter to grow better first before you grow bigger. And you may find after you grow better that you don't want to grow any bigger, you know, in, in terms of like size and overhead and, and team and office and stuff like that. Um, but when you get better, guess what happens? Your deals get bigger, right? The spread on your deals, the profit gets bigger because you just get smarter. So anyway, we're going to be talking about that with Will. Will is with Skip Genie, and we're going to be talking about skip tracing. We're going to be talking about networking and referrals. This is going to be a good episode for those of you guys that are, you know, doing some deals. You want to get, you want to start getting bigger deals. That's what we're going to be talking about. But I want to let you know too, that this book, (laughs) this podcast is brought to you by my book, Wholesaling Lease Options. You've heard me talk about it. It's a free book that you get. Just pay shipping and handling. Send it on, send it on over to you. You go to wlobook.com, wlobook.com to get it. Check it out. And it's really cool. It's one of the bonuses you get in this book as well is the my free lease option contract. You get the main contract that I use to get these properties under contract as a lease option. You get that contract for free. And I... With some videos, it tells you how to use it. So go to wlobook.com to get the book right now. And um, one more thing, too. I appreciate all you guys that are leaving reviews in iTunes and Stitcher. Um, I really appreciate it. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of good podcasts out there and a lot of bad ones, in my humble opinion. And But I appreciate you leaving their good reviews because... If you're leaving reviews, it's letting other people see the show and find out that, you know, it's still out there. And I'm looking right now, we've got 462 reviews, which is amazing. And I'm just going to read a few of them off real quick that were recently. This one is from, I'm just going to spell it, L-A-G-O-S-B-O-I-1, Lagos's Boy, something like that. Five Star, my favorite podcast, Joe is a Beast. He presents the details of real estate investing to the benefit of all who care to listen and change their lives. He's authentic and straight to the point. He doesn't believe in fluff, filler, or showmanship. That's the reason why I take so much. I take him much more seriously than most of the content providers out there. He's the real deal. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I'll read one more. This is from John Hunts for Houses. I love that. <laughs> uh, amazing. Five stars. I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now, and I have to say it's awesome. Joe does everything he can to help everyone who is willing to take the advice. His interviews, uh, a wide variety of awesome investors that always have a wealth of knowledge to share with the audience. And he posts more frequently and shares more information than anyone out there. I listen to his podcast daily. I always refer to them when I need help or a question of what to do next. Nice. appreciate that. One more, Kenneth702. Joe, you always provide valuable information. Great show. 
Thank you, guys. I sure appreciate you leaving the reviews. So go to iTunes, go to Stitcher even. I don't know if you can leave any other reviews anywhere else, but leave me a review. Let people know that this is a good show, and I appreciate it. Cool? All right, and you guys are going to like this show. You're going to like this show because we've got Will Denker from Houston, Texas. We're in the same mastermind together, and uh, Will and I have talked probably off and on over the last 6 to 12 months trying to get this podcast scheduled. I'm glad to finally get it done. How you doing, Will? Going great. Going great. Uh, coming off of Thanksgiving, had a good little vacation, so it was a great downtime. Where did you go? Did you have time with your family, or are you married, wife's family? Nope, not married, uh, but I, we just took off and went to San Antonio and spent uh, four or five days up there and just got to really relax and nice. take in some of the festivities, and it was it was an awesome trip, really awesome trip. Very cool. And from Houston to San Antonio, how far of a drive is that? It's probably three hours, 180 miles, something like that. Nice. I love San Antonio. Been there lots of times. I love Texas. I'm going to be down in Texas in February. I'm going to Austin to visit some family. And um, Texas is a cool place, except when it's super hot in the summer. The humidity, yeah. The humidity is a little hot. (laughs) Well, especially Houston. Houston. Oh, my gosh. Houston's got to have some of the. I'm not going to complain about Houston. <laughs> I won't. I'm sorry. You're a guest on my show. <laughs> it, it, it gets hot. There's a, it's high humidity for sure. So, all right. Well, let's talk about how long have you been in business in the real estate business, Will? Probably 14 years now. I think right. um, dating myself here, but yeah, I've been been wholesaling for a long time. Always from Houston. Always from Houston. Um, Lived here all my life. Uh, that's why I started wholesaling. I've, I've done virtual wholesaling and wholesaled in other cities, but uh, yeah, but mainly Houston is my home base and where I've been my whole life. Houston is huge. Is there any other? This isn't like the second or third largest city in the U.S. It, it's pretty massive. It takes an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes to drive across from one side to the other. Yeah, I realized like when I went to San Antonio and you go to the events and you're expecting them to be as big as them. Like, wait a minute, I'm expecting Houston and it's not. Yeah, And that's when I started realizing I forgot how big Houston actually is. You know, the venues are half the size, and I'm like, where are all the people? Oh, it's a smaller town. <laughs> yeah, it was very eye-opening. Yeah, cool. So how would you get started doing real estate? I just I kept hearing of, of flipping houses, and I just kind of wanted to do it. Didn't know how to do it, and kind of when I got started, there wasn't like Facebook and all the classes. And so I think I, I remember I sold – I just kind of made the decision to do it. Didn't have the money. So I literally sold my house, everything I owned, moved to a one-bedroom apartment, and I used that as seed money to buy my first deal. So once I bought my first one, I uh, had tenants in there. That was a kind of a story. I was going to rehab the house. I ended up selling it to the tenants, but that was my first deal that I got done. And from there, I just never stopped. I just kind of got into it, uh, sold my second property, and then from there, just just kept going. How did you learn about it, though? Did you buy any courses or YouTube no. videos? Um, no, there wasn't really any of that back then. Um, so I heard about like, there was like a little RIA groups. There was one that I actually went to. I heard about people putting out bandit signs and I didn't know back then the 70% minus repairs. So like the first deal, it was a friend of mine's mother-in-law. She was selling a rental that she got and didn't want to deal with the tenants because quote, they weren't paying. And so, um, I just, that was my first deal. I, I mean, I was super scared. Um, I probably bought it like 50 cents on the dollar because I didn't know what I didn't know. And so um, I ended up buying it. I just ended up selling it to the tenants because they qualified to buy it. Um, I didn't have to kick them out or anything. And uh, just kind of 
from there, I think I started working for a Homevestors uh, franchise after my third or fourth deal. And so just kind of, you know, from what they taught me and plus learning kind of stuff on the streets, I kept it pretty simple too. It's just, you know, you buy it at this price, you sell it for more, you close it and just make sure, try to anticipate any problems that you had. But in the beginning, it was pretty basic, but I started to understand the things that would come around from problems that the tenants have of not being able to move, wanting to move. And so literally my first question when I meet sellers now is, where are you going to go? And that's how I start off all my conversations because that tells me a lot of potential problems they have. If they don't have a place, well, I haven't really figured that out yet. That's where all my energy goes. Have you thought of getting, you know, I'd like to get a house. Well, if you're behind on your payments and you're about to go into foreclosure, you know, how are you going to pay for this house? Well, I was going to go to a bank. I don't know if a bank's going to give you a line of credit or, or a mortgage for, you know, based on your situation. A lot of them don't think of that. Okay, well, have you thought of an apartment? And literally, we break down, you know, uh, where they're going to go if it's an apartment. Okay, deposit. What's it cost? How are you going to get there? Do you have money for the deposit for utilities? Sometimes they don't. And so I want them to be aware of all these things. And it tells me what I'm going to do to to close this deal. Because a lot of times, if, if they're financially in foreclosure and strapped, I'll come up with the money for the deposit. I'll prepay three months' rent. I'll have my moving company do the entire move. And so I I literally know what all the numbers are and what the offer has to be. And so I value stack impact investing is what we call it, but just value stack, take care of every little thing to get them in a place that they're secure for the next year. That's amazing. And that's, that's our objective on every single, we don't buy every house, but we help every client. And even if it's just with information, if it's not a client that we can actually buy the house, We'll get them in a direction that they can um, go. If, if they need a realtor, I'll refer them out to a realtor. We don't take a commission or anything like that. It's literally coming from the place of helping the client in any way we can. Very nice. Very nice. So when you buy their houses, are you paying cash or are you um, like, are you doing any, any creative type of real estate too? We are getting into a little bit more creative. Um, if, if we wholesale it, the investor comes in and just buys the property uh, there are some instances uh, where it's like a short fuse or, or a really large assignment fee and things like that. We'll just go ahead and close on it cash uh, just to kind of keep you know things simple and potential problems from happening. And we're starting to get into buying partial interest now to where you'll have two or three um, invest, not investors, but family members not talking or they can't find one family member. We'll go ahead and buy their interest because they want to sell. Oh. And so we'll buy their interest in it. And then try to contact the third party eventually over time. So we're starting to get into some of that title issue properties. Very cool. All right. So talk about you. I mean, you got started after a year or two working for a franchise, Homevestors, and I imagine it was really good. You learned a lot about systems, having things, having checklists, having standardized procedures, and things like that. Did that help you in your business? I remember the biggest bottleneck there was marketing dollars, the consistency of money and money flow. So I was basically the sales agent. And so that was 100% my focus. But I remember it was always a continual up and down with leads. And so that's the one thing that stood out. System-wise, we did, did have a checklist. As far as wholesaling goes, it was pretty much down to one sheet. Looking back now, yes, absolutely. Systems is, is keep it simple. But systems is really key to any business. It just makes everything so much easier. You just follow a system 
and it produces the result as many times as you do it like McDonald's, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when did you actually start working on your own, not worth that, um, that, that franchise anymore? I think I was probably there, I think maybe four, four months at the max. We, I started doing really well. And when he had to start paying me the commissions, he thought he, at that point he was way overpaying me. So he basically, you know, kicked me to the curb. So, which, you know, yeah, (laughs) it was a, a blessing and a curse. Uh, after we left there, I actually partnered with a, a buddy of mine, Jack, and uh, he built a web page. And he was like literally one of the first web pages uh, that were out there on the internet. I think Homebusters had one, and then he had one. And it was, you know, I think it took two weeks to get his first lead to come in. And so uh, I ran that. But he was kind of hanging out as an investor at, at that Homebuster office with lending money. Uh, once I got kicked, uh, kicked to the curb, he basically said, man, why don't you run my leads and we'll split them 50-50. And I was like, okay. So I think for like 30 days, uh, I ran probably, I think we were running like 15 leads a month. That's It was producing. That was it. We didn't do any other marketing. And it was the week of the Katrina was coming in town. I think we got everything to close. We closed like four or five properties. And I, I remember I met Jack in the parking lot because he was leaving because a hurricane was coming. And I handed him a check. I think it was for thirty nine thousand five hundred bucks. And he's like, holy cow. And he goes, dude, when I get back in town, I'll, I'll cash a check and give you your half. And I was like, no, man, that is your half. That week we brought in, I think it was like seventy nine thousand five hundred bucks in uh, wholesale fees. Wow. It was it was now it took a while to build up. And that was running strictly, you know, 15, maybe 20 Internet leads a month. But that's that was like the the beginning of okay this is becoming a business, uh, and then we started learning about marketing and postcards and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Okay. And so, what year was that? I forget. Oh my gosh, I'd have to Google. Uh, it was over ten years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's all right. See, it, it was a while ago. And so, you 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 had at one time. A large staff, a lot of overhead. When was that? When did you start doing that? We probably started ramping up around that time. We would get one or two people. We stayed with one or two people probably for you know three years. Um, a couple of years ago, I mean, I think we got up to eight or nine uh, staff, high overhead, uh, and I did that for probably a few years. You know, go through the hiring, training salespeople, they, they replacing them, rehiring uh, admin. Um, I've been on that, I guess that, that, uh, car, if you will, several times uh-huh. and I've, I've been through multiple cars. It's always been a challenge for me, uh, to do that. It was 2005 for Katrina, by the way, but it's always been a challenge. You know, that's not my, I'm really great with sellers and I can understand and feel like any pain the seller has. And that's always been my, my lane that I, I I've always done well in. And so um, trying to grow that company, it just was a challenge for me. It, I didn't have the impact that I was having on sellers. Yep. You were – it was about this time, I think, didn't we, that uh, we met at Collective Genius? Yep. It was uh, – It was still I was still in the ramp it up, grow, grow phase. And so being around all those guys and seeing what they do with systems and things like that was just, I mean, absolutely amazing for me. And this is just like a personal thing. Looking at it and having that of, you know, uh, mailing the cards and high overhead sales agents and EOS and scaling and 
the high overhead. And for me, it just got me tired. Uh-huh. And so I, I literally took a step back and I was losing impact that I, I was have. I wasn't in the zone. I wasn't feeling fulfilled in what I was doing. And so that's where I really stepped back and I looked at, okay, where do I need to be to where I still get the same results that I, I want to get. I feel fulfilled and I have the, and it's impact at the end of the day, it's me having a huge impact. And so there were a couple of things that, that of deals that we looked at. I realized that, you know, having the big overhead and I even talked to Larry about it. Like we had closed one of the deals and I think it was, you know, one of the record deal, the biggest deal we've ever done. And it's like, and I looked at us like, man, we're closing this. And this is when we first started Skip Genie. And I said, man, we got to turn around and put all this into huh. the company to pay for overhead. And I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. And it just started to, I'll never forget that moment when I had that. So since then, I've completely changed course. Don't have a big company, huge staff overhead uh, with the wholesaling company at all. Scaled it down. And now, we, you know, everybody's heard of the 80-20. I literally try to focus on the 95-5. Yeah. That's what we focus on on those deals. You know, when when that deal comes, everything stops. I jump in my car. I'm gone, and that that property gets 100% of my focus. But it's worth it. the The margins that we get on some of these deals are just absolutely incredible. That we can easily do if we do three to four a month. I'm ecstatic. Isn't that amazing, Will? I, I've seen that over and over again with people. In these big masterminds, you know, everybody's kind of bragging about how big their, you know, what is and and kind of showing off and you want to be like the biggest, best, badass there, you know. But you really sit down with some of these guys and you dig into their business and like how really happy and fulfilled are you? And you really get down to the truth of it. It's like, man, I'm working way too hard. It's too stressful. This isn't what I wanted it to be. You know, like entrepreneurs, especially real estate investors, you've heard the saying, like, we're the only guys that go out there and work 80 hours a week just so we don't have to work 40. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I totally get that because everybody, especially when you're new and you're aggressive and you're you're watching all kinds of Grant Cardone videos and uh, what's that other doofus's name? Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Sorry. I like Gary, but I just... Don't like his work ethic. Here he is on a on a Christmas Eve bragging about how he's hustling and working so hard in the office. I just like in the and it was in the evening. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And you can work smarter. You don't have to work that hard. I mean, you got to work hard, but there's a looking at exactly what you're talking about, you know, and, and meeting with 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 Sean creating a vision. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're, I was on the treadmill to get this company to have this, to have the freedom and have this, but it's like, I was on it for five years. The things that I'm doing now, I'm getting results in literally six months that I just by focusing on one little thing that takes the least amount of energy and it's, it's already towards the freedom, you know? And it's like, Holy cow. If I had known this 10 years ago, I would have been on a totally different path. You know, it's bigger's not always better. And, and, you know, find somebody that's doing what you want to do and go see what they do 10 years from now. And it's like, do they have the freedom? Like Gary Vaynerchuk, all right, you want to have what he has. Are you willing to do what he will, what he's willing to do? You know, and my answer is no, you know, I, I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> no, I don't want, I don't want my face to be glued to a stupid phone all day either. I mean, if you, yeah. 
you watch his videos, he's always got a phone. Can you imagine being one of his kids while every five seconds he pulls out his phone and does an Instagram post or videos something? It's uh, Anyway, don't yeah. get me started on that. That's just <laughs> – some people, if that's what they want, that's great. But you just got to think about what you're going to sacrifice and what you're going to lose when you do that, when you follow that track. Um, all right, so you're you're focusing on bigger, better – deals now right so you've yes you have a much smaller business how big is your company now like how many employees with uh one two three sold fast uh larry drums up the deals with lists he's a specialist he knows what to go after we have uh one caller that does calling and i i take the con once they raise their hand they're interested in selling i take it from that point all the way to close so literally those three three so you three guys that's it and uh you you skip trace and cold call is how you're getting your leads. Skip trace, cold call, and referrals. Nice. So it's literally fifty fifty. All right, and uh, so y- I'm sure you get you get a lot of leads, but you're turning down the marginal leads is, or deals. Is that right? Yeah. If if it's if it's not somebody we can have an impact and really help, I mean, there's there's problem in price. If they want full price, whatever, boom, that's not our ideal client. We can let that go. Uh, we're looking for the the clients that have major problems. Um, the bigger the problem, the more excited we get, and that's that's what we go after, and that's what we fix. All right. Could you, would you mind if I asked you some of your favorite lists to skip trace? That would be a Larry question. He okay. does all. I'm literally out of it. All I know is that the person they're interested in selling, and I get the lead. We've tested literally all kinds of lead land leads. They all work. I'll say that. Um, it's just, there's a difference. I think what a lot of people is, is like talking about big businesses. Okay. I'm going to get this list and I'm going to scale it and I'm going to get, you know, call everybody kind of thing. What happens is like, um, with a lot of times when we did calls in the beginning, it was, Oh, Mr. Parker, would you be interested in selling that property? No, I actually don't own it anymore. Okay. So if that's the VA, okay, cool. He sold it. So when I'm on the phone, you sold it. Oh, really? How did you do that? Well, I told the city I didn't want it anymore. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't really convey title just by telling the city you don't want it. Actually, I, I believe you still do. If I could get you 500 bucks and get this off your back, would that be okay? Well, I might do it for 1000 So that little sliver, that one little piece by having that detailed conversation with the person ended up being a deal. That's a real deal that we actually closed. So. It's the communication with the people. I mean, doing the mass text, sometimes that works. Uh, We like, for us, it's been way more effective to slow down and have a conversation and and treat the people like people, not like a sales number type of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, um, and that's why we're not huge volume. We're not massive scale. But Larry, he can look at a list. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. He loves the data and processes. And looks at, you know, he can figure out stuff based off a name. He goes, Met, that's likely a deal just because that name represents this era of, you know, so it's an older owner, things like that. But he, he's a specialist on that side. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned networking. How do you do that? Is there something that you can. Referrals, you mean? Yeah. Network. Is that what, when you say networking, you mean referrals? Referrals. Yes. Yes. So like as a lead source, we do skip tracing and then the referrals that we get are just from the clients that we have, uh, clients that we, we, 
um, have done work for. So kind of put, put this in picture, anybody that touches or comes in contact with our client, which means a seller that needs to sell, we want them to be a, a 100% on top of their game. So as an example, uh, title company, we want to make sure that we majorly take care of the title company. I'm very loyal. I generally stick with one or two title companies and I literally go overboard with whatever they're needing. You know, we never call them up and, and this is surprisingly happens a lot. That's your job. That's what you need to do. You're responsible. We don't say that. We work together and, and treat them as a, as a team member. Anything we can do extra for them um, within their guidelines, we, we do. I had a notary that met us and uh, signed a document. I think it was the day after Thanksgiving. And then all of a sudden he gave me an invoice for payment and it was $20. And I just looked at it. I said, here's this guy day after Thanksgiving came and met me, signed this document and everything with the seller. And he's charging me 20 bucks. And I just looked at him and I, and I, I told him, I said, man, I can't pay this invoice. And he's like, what? And I said, dude, don't ever give me another invoice less than a hundred dollars. And he's just kind of dumbfounded. And I said, I'm serious, you know, wrote him a check, hundred bucks. He was blown away by that. But the level of service, this guy, when he showed up, and this is a notary, all the paper was on bonded paper. I mean, everything was precision. Here's your copy. I mean, so professional. It just blew me away. And I said, man, when I saw that, you know, I did that, took care of him. And I said, I want this guy to sign all my documents as much as possible if he's available. Um, and now I didn't know all this going into it, but I, I call them strategic allies. This was like a year or two years ago. I met this guy. And so he's been doing notaries for me. So he's seen what we do for clients. And so uh, I think it was last week uh, he went to notarize a document. It was a property that we were actually buying partial interest in. And, and the lady was a little bit nervous. And so he was there signing the docs and she was kind of nervous. And she's like, you know, I, I really don't know. And he's like, Look, to be honest with you, I've seen all the deals that Will does. He's 100% straight up. And if anything is wrong in this document, I can tell you he will make it right. Just having that to, to take their stress level down is huge. And, and, you know, I never, it was never thought of that way. It just became a byproduct of me taking care of him and he takes care of us. And so just seeing that to where, I had a, a property in Austin that we were closing. It was uh, three heirs. Uh, the aunt actually lived in the property with her son who was on drugs. And she, the house was just, I mean, completely empty. No AC, uh, one window unit for the, the aunt that lived there. And her son was on drugs and would not leave her son. So we, we went to the house to sign all the documents. I had the notary drive with me from Houston all the way to Austin. Now, I easily could have just paid a notary to meet me there, 50 bucks or whatever. But I looked at it as like, no, I want my guy. And I paid four or $500 to have him drive all the way to Austin. You know, so we get there. The aunt came, met us at the house with the other aunt. The son that was on uh, her, one of the sons was there, started screaming, profanities, yelling. She came out of the house in tears just bawling like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. I need to go inside. And I was like, take a deep breath. I said, look, don't go back in there. Cause he's irate. And he was probably like 25 or something. I mean, literally screaming at the top of his lungs. I said, look, 
you know, just, just go ahead. Just, you don't have to, to go back in. I'll take care of that. So Jason steps up and says, Hey, Will, I've got her information. I've already got the docs. I'm going to take her to Starbucks. I'm going to go ahead and get all the documents signed and send her home. Is that okay? Yeah. I've got the other brother's information. I'm going to go ahead and call him. He's on the north side. I'm going to go ahead and get all those docs, get all that knocked out, and then I'll come back here and meet with you. Will that be okay? I said, awesome, dude. Go take care of it. Wow. Diffused, got him out of there. Now, this is a notary, you know, and it's 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 so I just anyway, That's <laughs> I'm, good. Still, I'm still blown away. But so we did that. I went in, took care of the, 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 the aunt and the, the son. So let's talk about the deals that you're doing. Your your deal number, the number of deals are going down, but your profits are going up. Your overhead is a lot smaller now. So what is your just round numbers approximately if you don't, if you don't mind me asking, like is your is your revenue down but your profit up? Um and what's so, your average profit size on a on a deal? The last price? round that we did, I'm I'm just looking up on the board of what we closed. Uh so we did a property that was seventy two, forty four, zero, and thirty thousand. So, so expenses with that would probably be uh, basically our collar, which is probably a couple of grand a month, I guess. I don't even know. And then, you know, we have like uh, websites and stuff like that. Call that a few thousand. But we don't have like the main one's marketing and, and staff, yeah. you know, which we don't have. Do you have an office or do you work from home? Um, Skip, I work from home. Larry works from home. But we do have an office for Skip Genie, of course. Okay. Uh, but that's a completely separate business. Uh, but for running the lead, so whatever that total is, I don't know, 140 maybe, something like that. You had, a, you had a deal where you didn't make any money? Was that because it hasn't closed yet or what? No, it closed. Um, Larry actually uh, spoke with the sellers. They looked at it. Their house flooded. They had tried to sell it. All the investors kind of passed on it because it was, quote, not enough equity. Larry had talked to the husband and wife. They were trying to get this house sold. They had some issues with the loan. Long story short, they were able to buy another house, but they couldn't because of this one. And they were about to go into foreclosure. And if they had the foreclosure, they wouldn't have been able to get the other loan. I don't know if they were behind or what the deal was. But anyway, Larry said, we've got to get this closed for them. And so basically what that means is we'll do whatever we can to get it closed. We made nothing on it. And so we stepped in, got the investor, had the investor bought it. We made a $0 assignment. Uh, but Larry said, let's get this closed for him. So we did. And so we actually just closed it, zero dollar. We did it 100% just to, to help them. Cool. So is this an average month for you guys? Um, it's up and down. I mean, it's really um, consistently, could you close three to four deals? Yes. But as I get deals and, and properties, we're closing three to four. If, you, if we hit it, I don't hit it like that. But if you did, you could consistently hit that problem. You could 100 grand. I could see you hitting 100 grand easily. It just depends what you go after and what you put on your plate, you know. So I have other things that we do and, and stuff like that. So that's not every single month, no. It could be if that's all I did. But I also have, like, properties I buy with my IRA that I'm buying, owner finance, stuff like that. So that's for retirement stuff. And so I do that as well. Okay. I got a question about – because Houston has seen in the last 10 to 20 years two or three different natural disasters – and and the latest one being what was the name of that hurricane? Harvey. Harvey, yes. And um, you know, a lot of houses flooded. 
our church actually did a lot of disaster relief for about a year down there, and I got to go a couple times, which is really cool. The as an investor, though, what are some of the challenges with coming into a market after a natural disaster, like a flood? It could be a tornado or hurricane or fire. You know, like how does that work, and what do you have to be sensitive of? Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. So we did have a lot of people that came down and says, "We're going to make all this money." So the immediately after. Most people are waiting on insurance. So you're going to have a small percentage that are going to sign right away. But the biggest delay in closings was the insurance, uh, whether they're going to get flood insurance and things like that. So a lot of people expected that just, I mean, some people did buy right away. Um, we have a mastermind group of local investors here in Houston, top guys, 25 guys thinking that we're all going to like, holy crap, man, I bought 50, I bought 20. It wasn't like that. So everybody did buy houses, maybe, you know, five to 10, but it wasn't the record numbers like everybody thought. The second part that really surprised us was how quickly everything bounced back. Everything got absorbed to where we were making, I remember in certain neighborhoods offering 50 grand, um, they didn't take it. And literally in two months, that same property was listed on the multiple listing service at 90 Still, you know, just gutted and that's it and it sold. So um, from what we saw, everything, I mean, there was probably pockets of neighborhoods that that's not the case, but everything got, you know, absorbed really, really quickly. So now you can see, drive down the street, you see all the trash and everything on the street. So it was very visible. I think we're at the point now, it's like where I, I call it the, the noise, it's behind the doors now. And so... We saw the trash, you know, the house flooded, you know, they're, they're, you know, hurts going on. Now the trash has been picked up. There's probably still a lot of people living in the house that hasn't been rehabbed. So I think there's going to be a wave of some of those, uh, plus a lot of people that just walked away. The houses haven't gotten foreclosed. There might be another wave that kind of comes, comes through that. Um, there were a lot of houses that got moved. It's been a couple of years though, right? A year, about a year and a half, I think. And so you're saying there's still houses that haven't been cleaned up yet. There's um, that haven't even been gutted from the flood. Wow. I mean, they're still got the sheetrock in there, you know? And so uh, there gets a point to where the, I don't know if the wood's just too far gone, you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's houses. I don't want to say it's a lot of them, but, but there are some, we can't tell. Cause we're, you know, there were so many neighborhoods like by bear Creek to where 50% still haven't moved in. They're going to, but literally, people are slowly moving in, and 70% of the street is still, you know, houses that haven't been rehabbed. You know, they're starting to, but they haven't moved in. It's it's amazing. I mean, it was so widespread. If you find a house that has been destroyed or flooded, let's just say, and the seller wants to sell it, how does it work? Like, because um, with insurance, do you have to do you have to wait until the insurance claim comes in? Or can you buy it and get the insurance claim yourself? Or how does that work? All the ones that I've done is they settle with the insurance first and then they sell. Then we close. I think they have to own the house. Most of them were pretty – they wouldn't sign until the insurance was finished because they wanted to make sure they didn't do anything to uh, mess up the insurance claim. Yeah. Uh, but most of them waited. Once they got the insurance and it was settled, then they could sell the house. Um, at this point, I think everybody, unless they're really fighting with the insurance, all the insurance claims have been settled. 
uh, that including FEMA. People were waiting on FEMA money, but that wasn't anything really massive to speak of. So does the the insurance company doesn't care that that money goes back to fixing up the house? I didn't look at their insurance and things like that, but I believe they got to keep it. If they sold the house, it didn't matter. They kept the money. So they, they would get the money for the repairs. And then if they sold the house, now some of them would use the money to pay off the mortgage. And then they got to keep the difference and things like that. But uh, the ones that we did, they kept the money. We closed on the house and, and that was it. I don't know if there was a requirement for them to do the repairs, but if they sold it, it didn't matter because the mortgage got paid. So did these homeowners who got flooded, did they get just inundated with marketing from investors? Yes. Uh, I mean, there was bandit signs um, galore everywhere. It wasn't no, – I don't want to say marketing because if you mailed mailer, mailers, they weren't there at the house anyway to get the mail. Yeah. Because everything had, had flooded. So it, it did change the way – I mean, bandit signs worked really, really well for the flood. So like a buddy of mine, he would actually, instead of putting them in the neighborhoods, he would put them in the trash piles. Well, when he put them in the trash piles, they don't get picked up. And so literally his signs would last for like four weeks until they actually came and picked up the trash, um, which was really, really smart on his part. So he would, but he wouldn't just throw the sign on the trash pile. He would stick it in the ground. He would stick it in front of the huh. trash pile. That's awesome. You know, and so it looked like it was just part of the trash. But people saw it, and they they actually called off. He got a lot of calls uh, wow. off of it. So there was a, a short window, but there was also windows. People were scared, didn't know what to offer because what's the new value of the house? And and so, well, they're going to sell at ten percent uh, below the old ARV, you know. And the guys that just went in and started buying did well because stuff, you know, sold over ARV after it was re rehabbed and things like that. So some of that stuff just totally went out the window. It bounced back way quicker than we ever imagined. Well, we and also had a strong economy behind it too. Yeah. So it just depends on. So are you starting to see the market slow down in Houston like other people are around the country? I think so. I, I hear about it in my realm. I, I don't, I stay in my little box and I don't look outside that much. I'm not rehabbing, you know, high end and things like that. So I don't have a good pulse on that. But as far as wholesaling goes, you know, the stuff's gone. It's just, it's flying off the shelf. As far as rental goes, people are, I mean, paying ridiculous prices for rentals. Uh, they just can't get enough of them. Well, that's crazy. What do you, you know, I, I've always looked at Houston as kind of a a very unique city because it seems like it's, it's huge. There's a ton of competition there and prices are really strong. It's a good economy. What would you tell the beginning investor that is just getting started in a huge competitive market like Houston? How would you tell them to get started? Get your phone to ring with leads. If you're going to do bandit signs, great. Do bandit signs. If you do postcards, great. Do postcards. Pick one and stick with it for 90 days. Put it out because what you do with bandit signs today is going to be different than what you do from 90 days from now because you're going to figure it out based off calls and things like that. So give yourself that learning curve to get through it. Run those leads. Don't worry about who's doing what and all these other people. If you just get started, keep it simple and talk to the seller. You know, get your bandit signs or postcards, your marketing, be consistent with it. If it's a hundred bucks, do 25 bucks a week and get the phone to ring. Answer the phone. Don't be scared to talk to sellers. Let them do 90% of the talking. You don't have to pitch yourself and oversell yourself. And that's what you think you have to do. But your job is to listen. 
ask a question about the property, and then just listen. They're going to tell you 90% of what you need to know. Uh, once you get a deal, uh, selling the properties, a lot of people are scared trying to find buyers and things like that. Uh, to me, that's the easiest part because there's so many buyers. And not worry about competition. You know, if, if, if you just go and, and talk to the person, listen to what they say, listen to what they don't say, and just be there to, to solve any and all problems, you'll end up getting the deal. Uh, that's the biggest differentiator for us. If we come up against competition, that's what we do. And that's if we win, it's because we added more value. You know, okay. so the, the, the value is, is listening to their pain. Like we had uh, the property on Bethel. We had, you know, three competitors walking around with their clipboards, you know, and I was like, one was home investors and, you know, whoever else. And they were all walking around. And the guy told him, he says, uh, hey, we need 60 days. And they all looked up from the clipboards. No problem. And so I'm talking to the son. I think it's an aunt. It was his aunt's house. Uh, and he's, I said, man, I said, I'll give you 60 days or 60 days, whatever you need. I said, but that's not going to fix your problem. And he looked at me real weird. And I, and I said, you know, the, the, and he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, these guys will give you 60 days. And at the end of 60 days, they're going to evict your aunt. They don't care what happens to her. They're going to go through their process. And in 60 days, she's not out. They're going to evict her. Yeah. We want to find a place for her to be to where she's taken care of and she has a year support to take care of, to get back up on her feet. I said, that's what we want to do. We don't want to give her 60 days. We want to find her a place that's paid for and taken care of. And he just kind of looked at me and I was like, when you came over here, you said to me three times, make sure you do not give my aunt my phone number, you know, cause she's a talker and this and that. I was like, you think these other guys are going to sit there and help her and, and you won't? I said, let us help her. Let us show you what we can do. And without question, I mean, I think the guy, he signed with us. I think he said we were like 20-something thousand cheaper than, than the other people. Yeah. And he goes, but we have to go with you. And I was like, okay, cool. And so the, the back end of the story was we found her a brand-new mobile home. Uh, she wanted to live like right around the corner. There was a park. We found it. It was like lot rent was 250 so we paid cash for the mobile home, had it installed. It was literally moving ready, had a deck built, had it skirted. And literally the movers picked up all our stuff and moved her in. Down to the light bulbs, blinds were installed, everything. We prepaid lot rent for one year. And then we prepaid half her lot rent for the next year so we could do a little increase. So the first year she's good. Second year, 50% increase. The next year she has to pay full. And so uh, we covered all the costs for mobile home, everything, bought it all. And that came out of the sales portion that she received, but we were able to, to make sure everything happened. I love it. You're just taking care of them, treating them like a customer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. So I want you to talk real briefly about Skip Genie. Why did you create that company? So um, when I met Larry, uh, he, he was actually uh, Skip Tracing, and I was kind of getting started a little bit in a skip tracing, didn't have the knowledge that he did. And uh, we started, you know, started off with a couple of deals. I can't remember. I mean, out of the gate, it was like, it was crazy numbers. And we actually did one deal. And I think it was like, you know, we're trying to get to 100, but it ended up being like 80 grand. And then we did another one, it was like 60. And I think the third one we did was like 150. And that's the one, the aha moment, like I was telling you, I was like, me and Larry just, killing it with these deals and we're closing. And I was like, why am I going to mess with this big? And that's when I, I just said, you know what? And I talked to Larry. I said, man, let's just go, you know, go crazy here and, and just start 
doing that. And so uh, we actually ended up started Skip Genie. Then we started, people were asking, what are we doing? Started kind of selling it as service and that kind of blew up on its own, you know, but we still, you know, go in there and do deals. And so we did it because we use it. And so now we sell it as a service or whatever, based off exactly the same thing that we do. We use it as a, for, for us in-house. And that's how we, we skip trace. Okay. Do you do, is it, is it mainly for one-off skip tracing or do you, can you do bulk where you upload 2000 addresses or whatever? Um, they can. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of all the, you know, what all it does. It, we can do bulk. Um, I think, but the majority of the clients are, I want to say mom and pop people that, that, you know, are running a list and things like that for people that just do massive scale and, and things like that. I don't know if it's, it's one of those, um, our service is impeccable. Just like we take care of our clients. We take, they take care of clients on, on the skip side. Um, and anything we can do to help, you know, really, um, call it the, the slicing of that little piece of sliver, you know, anything that just pushes you over the side, the edge. I had one guy that, like I was mentioned earlier, uh, he had a seller that died on him or just went completely dark. And, um, just like, you know, knowing that one little strategy of just like, look, don't say anything about title. Don't say anything. Just send her a text. I got your cash. And then she responded. He closed it a couple of days ago. That one little piece, that nugget that he was missing was enough for him to buy $130,000 property. Otherwise would have been dead. That's what we specialize. Those little nuances of those things. That's what we really like to do. Nice. So this is uh, this is a side business of yours. The Skip Genie. Skip Genie, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Larry's the engine behind that. Larry and Hi, um, they're in the day to day and 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 stuff. And I, I basically I'm kind of on the side to where I'm running the leads and closing the deals. But the day to day, Larry's the He's the expert on lists and, and all cool. that. Very cool. Well, Will, do you have uh, any – well, first of all, how can people get a, a hold of you and in touch with you? Um, you can reach out to hi at skipgenie.com. Uh, he kind of checks all the emails um, and, you know, I don't answer them you know, daily, but I do review all the emails. But he takes a look at it and then when we have meetings, we kind of go over it. That way I stay in the zone of, of – of what I'm doing, but hi, H A I at skipgenie.com. And if, if, you know, we can ever do anything for, you know, seasoned investors, uh, that, you know, hitting roadblocks, um, want to take something to the next level, kind of like so big and they can't get traction. I would love to talk to, to some people and maybe do like, a, you know, do some masterminding is what I call it. Uh, yeah. to help them break through the next level. That would be awesome. Have some impact on some investors. Yeah, nice. So again, that email was hi, H-I or H-I-G? H-A-I, H-A-I, Harry Apple Indigo. Okay. At skipgenie.com. H-A-I at skipgenie.com. Cool, good. And uh, if somebody's got a deal in the Houston area, can they send it to you? Yeah, just uh, reach out to hi. We can take a look at it. And if they're hitting roadblock, and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, we help people in New York, Chicago. Um, we've talked people through deals. I mean, all across the country, you know, that hit roadblock because what works here as far as seller, <clears throat> it's different everywhere. But, you know, sometimes the tactics, if they have, you know, can't get a hold of something or figure something out, you know, maybe a quick phone call, we might be able to help them. All right. Sounds very good. 
Thanks, Will. Any final words of advice, tips for folks? Yeah, just, I mean, if you're getting started, you know, keep it simple. Give it time. You're going to go through an educational curve, you know, and just be patient with it. If, you know, a lot of people, like for me now, I don't count the numbers. I look at, you know, I focus on the person and take care of them. If you're just getting started doing your first deal, just focus on the deal. Don't focus on, I got to make 10. Just focus on getting that deal because there's momentum that builds a client with you, everything. And then whenever you close the deal, and that's one thing that we do, when it's all said and done, how did the investor feel? How did the title company feel? How did I feel? How did the homeowner feel? Was it a win, 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 win all the way across the board? And if it wasn't, what can I do next time to make sure that it is? So, um, yeah, that's you know, good. anyway, it's, uh, I'm all big on, on, you know, that impact and, and because those people, title companies, notaries, uh, realtors, everybody, and that's why we get referrals is they know that we're going to take care of them. You know, it's like, I know, I know they, they don't even bring it up. And because they, we don't generally, most of the time we're not focused on the price. We're focused on all the problems. And that's what I do is I dive in. Where are you going to go? Well, there's a whole flurry of problems that they don't have the money to get there. We're going to address that when they get in the apartment, do they need deposits? Well, we're going to cover that. We'll cover that. You know, we'll, well, the moving companies and for the investors, like if you want to do assisted moves, call some moving companies. If it's an all day move, it might be 800 to a thousand. It's not nearly as expensive as you think. You do have to have it there in the budget, but man, that stuff is golden. When the sellers come in, because we had a one lady that in order for her to sign the contract, I had to agree to meet her and her husband for dinner. That And I never met the lady. It was through a realtor referral. I was kind of shocked. I was like, uh, okay. And she says, Will, you know, I was, I was freaking out because she'd been in the house forever. And she said that the mover showed up that morning. She goes, that night when my head hit the pillow, every box was unboxed. And I put my head on the seat, and I said, I'm in my new home. And there's not anything to do but relax. And she goes, thank you so much. And wow. boom, I was like, wow. You know, and it, that's how I realized the impact of things like that and what people shared. And, and that's, you know, I want to do more of that, more of that. Uh, with services. We've moved elderly couples and flooded houses into assisted living facilities. They were going to wanting, you know, it was five years off. Well, based off what happened, we're going to do it now. You know, we did estate sales. They get to keep 100% of the proceeds. Everything that's sold in the estate sale, we do the estate sale and then they get the money. And so elderly people selling their stuff, they, that wasn't something they wanted to do and it was hard for them. We took care of it. So we make it easy. So, but yeah, just keep it simple, you know, offer one small service, try it out, see how you like it. And with us, you know, most of the stuff that we do is literally a phone call. When we move, the moving company knows us, uh, they know the expectations and it's not just move. You know, I don't sit there and beat them up. Dude, you got five hours. You got to get it done. I'm like, guys, to the moving company, take your time. I want them, if she's elderly and there's a dresser there, dude, I want you to get the TV, set it up on there. Go ahead and hook up the cable box, you know, do all these things. I mean, unpack if you can, if she wants, unpack. I'm not, I don't beat them up. I never complain about the invoice when I get it. It's cheap. It's less than 5% of the deal most of the time anyway. But I'm like, dude, whatever they need, take care of it. Do it, do it, do it. And it's seller, and that's why we get referrals. So Good. That's really sorry, good. I'm rambling on. <laughs> that's good, Will. Hey, thanks for taking the time and being on the show. I appreciate it. Again, the Skip Tracing Company is skipgenie.com. And if you want to 
send an email to Will or his company, send it to hi, H-A-I, at 123-skipgenie.com. Thanks, Will. Awesome, Joe. Good. Looking All forward right. to seeing you next week or the next couple of weeks. Good talking to you, man. We'll see you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.